Hey everybody, welcome to the special Thanksgiving mini-episode of The Week in Film Tech. So this is Charles Hain, this is Thanksgiving week, November 27th, 2019, and all I'm doing is an extra special gear cage and a Hey Professor answer. First off, those of you watching on YouTube are seeing what is in my hands for Gear Cage. It's the reason we're doing an extra special episode. Ari has given, has loaned me, not given me, oh my god, has loaned me an Alexa LF and a set of signature primes for a very short duration of time, like 18 hours or something. However, it's really exciting. Uh, I'm doing an article on full frame versus Super 35, specifically as it relates to motion, doing motion, moving shots. We're going to have side-by-side moving shots. We're going to compare them. It's really cool. However, I couldn't resist doing a gear cage on this particular platform while I am here. So let's go ahead and do it really quick. So I'm going to talk about the Mini LF first. The Mini LF, slightly bigger than the normal size uh, Alexa Mini, is going to be a hugely dominant camera in the indie film space for a while. I've talked about it a lot on the show. Uh, one of the things I talk about a lot is that, like, if you look at the list of Sundance movies every year, you're seeing Alexa Mini, Alexa Mini, Alexa Mini, Alexa Mini. Now, that's not going to definitely change overnight to Alexa Mini LF. There's two big reasons for this. One, the larger sensor is wonderful, and it definitely ma- maps motion differently. But for the same field of view, you have slightly smaller depth of field. Not a big deal on an indie movie. We could subtitle this the 1917 edition of Gear Cage because big movie, 1917, shot by Roger Deakins. They used a mini LF. They, it's all one shot, so they presumably used one signature prime. Super easy for them. You know, they have all the tools they need to make sure they're getting that smaller depth of field and focus. I'm shooting a million-dollar indie movie where losing a take is a nightmare and, you know, I don't necessarily have all the time and all the tools I'm probably still going to lean Super 35. And in fact, Aerie is coming out with a new Super 35 sensor they've announced for 2020, 2021, I think. That'll be higher resolution, true 4K in a Super 35 sensor, so Netflix approved and all that. But I think that'll be more the indie darling. I think the Mini LF, you're going to see as a lot of big studio movies where they're doing a lot of motion. They're doing a lot of handheld. They're doing a lot of Steadicam. They're doing a lot of gimbal. I think you're going to see the Mini LF there because the full-size LF, which is great, has the integrated wireless video and a whole bunch of other nice features, it is really big. So it's really going to be the studio camera. The LF is going to be the handheld gimbal camera. The LF is amazing for that. Now let's talk about the signature primes, specifically Aries first. Aries usually does their lenses co-branded with someone else. It's the Aries Zeiss Master Primes or the Aries Fujinon Allura. These are not made by Aries. They're working with a Japanese lens manufacturing company, not design. Key distinction. Someone else is making these lenses. Airy designed these lenses. And uh, that company doesn't have any other motion picture clients. From what I can glean from Airy, they do a whole lot of specialized lens manufacturing, microscopes and telescopes and other high-end optical things. So, what makes these so exciting? Airy says, and I got to shoot with them some Friday, and I agree, that these are their first truly digitally focused product. Now, what's interesting about that is when I hear digitally focused lens, I think about things like, well, it just seems sharp in my mind. (laughs) Like, I hear, these lenses are designed for digital, and and I think to myself, like, all right, are they artificially sharp? Or, like, are they ultra-high resolution lenses, so they're super clear? Or are they having some softness artificially built in to take the edge off digital? 
Aerie doesn't talk about any of that. And actually, when you look at the footage from these lenses, they don't look artificially sharp or artificially softened either. Deacons refers to them as looking very clear, which I actually think is a pretty accurate statement. But what's interesting specifically is Aerie talks a lot about these lenses being designed for the future. Right now, we're very into lens flares. However, on most sets, we're monitoring SDR, standard dynamic range. In HDR, you know, and that might clip the top five stops of latitude off to fit it on that monitor. You do an HDR master, and now your white flare has, like, purple streaks and orange streaks and all that latitude that just clipped to pure white when you monitor SDR. So in Aries' opinion, the future of lenses should have less flaring or more controlled flaring because in HDR, flaring is not going to be as attractive, which I think is a very interesting thing. Now, there's a magnetic lens holder on the back where you can pop uh, streak filters on and off, so you can add flares to your heart's content. But natively, these lenses are designed to flare very, very, very little, which goes against the trend of 2019, which is sort of flare-heavy. But uh, Aerie thinks it makes them better for the future. The other thing about this is, in addition to really working to control chromatic aberration, they've really worked to uh, focus the lens on being telecentric, which means that, you know, light comes in and light goes out the back of a lens. Usually the light going out the back of the lens comes out at various angles, and they've worked very hard to compress those angles to being as parallel as possible. You could almost say like a laser for a lens. And what that does is that decreases chromatic aberration because it means more different wavelengths of light are landing on the same pixel. Because different wavelengths of light are always going to bend at different angles. The red, green, and blue wavelengths are going to bend differently. If they're coming out the back of the lens at an extreme angle, the red photons are going to land on one photosite, and the green on another, and the blue on another, because they're coming at this extreme diagonal angle. That's going to create aberration. This is why a lot of DPs would shoot a lens on film, and be like, oh my god, no aberration. Then they'd switch it over to digital, and it would aberrate. This is also why different sensors aberrate differently, because different sensors have different photosite pitch, have different gaps between the lenses on photosites. So a lens that wouldn't chromatically aberrate at all on one sensor might chromatically aberrate terribly on another. Aries really worked with the signature primes to make that chromatic aberration very minimal, but also to make it consistent sensor to sensor. They've gone all in on the LPL mount. Even their next Super 35 camera is going to be LPL. LPL is their new lens mount. Everything they do from here on out will be LPL, large PL, large positive lock. And overall, that is the direction that they're really heading. These lenses are gorgeous. I will include a link when my article goes up of shooting with them, but I really just wanted to do a gear cage while they were physically in my hands. They weigh very little. You know, the Master Primes were notoriously very heavy lenses. Aries worked really hard to make these very lightweight. These paired with the LF Mini is sort of an amazing pairing. It's been a super fun thing to play with. That's a little bit Gear Cage Thanksgiving Edition Aries Signature Primes. Other reason I did a bonus episode is I've gotten so many hey professors this week about which MacBook Pro 16 inch should I buy. So I, I wanted to do a special one. I'm also, there's this thing called Kit where I can like build a kit and tell you guys what to buy. Influencers are using it. I don't know if it'll work, but I set up a kit for this on Kit. Here's my recommendation which 16 inch MacBook Pro to buy. No matter what, if you're a filmmaker, get the 8 gigabyte graphics card. Just buy it. Worth the upgrade. You're a filmmaker, get the biggest graphics card you can buy. Number two. The most RAM you can afford, at least 32, 64 if you can afford it. Number three, smallest internal. That's the place to save your money. The two terabyte, eight terabyte internal, that's going to be really useful if you're like a sound designer and you want to have all of your sound design library stored internally in your thing. Totally get the internal. Like, it, you've always got it with you. As filmmakers, you know, I'm always working on movies that have like 
an eight terabyte external drive that I'm plugging in. It's so rare. I need a lot of internal storage. And I think if you need to save money, that's the place to do it. If you're made of money or is this is a one time, like you've been given a free MacBook Pro Pass, sure, get the eight terabyte. But I think one terabyte of internal has been plenty for me. Maybe go two, but really video RAM, normal RAM, that is the place to go. So this has been the special Thanksgiving weekend episode of the Week in Film Tech. Uh, I am Charles Hain, and I will see you guys on the other side of the holidays. Bye.